Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios right here for Wrestling With Ideas on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music. As you guys know, I am the music man Colin Scully and I've got a very special guest co-host with me this week. TSN 1200 Lever Sage. Lee, how's it going today? CKDJ, I have heard so much about. And finally, to be in the lavish studios of CKDJ. Yeah, man. I'm excited. So many of the guys, so many of your... Uh, the guys that you know have come through here, eh? Yes. Yeah. Scott MacArthur came through here. Had my first radio show ever with Scott MacArthur. Yeah. It was called In the Zone. It was a nighttime show back in the early 2000s. Back and when <laughs> Bell didn't own TSN 1200, back when it was the team. That's right. And uh, Chum owned it. But Scott MacArthur, one of the, the great guys in radio, and I'm so happy he's doing well in Toronto now. Yeah. But we miss him here, and we used to go out at night to rinks and, and watch minor hockey games and interview kids, and that was our difference maker part of our show. And really? we thought that was the coolest thing ever until we heard it back and thought, it's really cool for the kids and nobody else. But, yeah. we, <laughs> but we had a great time, and he's just one of a, a ton of people that have come through and, and done a great job. So uh, I, I'm lucky to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Back when, uh, back when I had my own show, as I was co back when I was co-hosting this show, I had my little own show called the Parts Unknown Wrestlecast, actually, and he actually came on. Scott did, and then we and we talked a little bit of uh, we talked some baseball. Yeah. On the rest on the on the wrestling show, we talked some baseball, and then we got into a little bit of wrestling talk as well. He went to talk about how much he doesn't really watch this, how much he doesn't really watch the modern stuff because it's not as good as the old stuff but a little known fact about you lee you're mm -hmm. you're actually a really big wrestling fan <laughs> i'm a nerd i'm a geek and you know what i don't care because i'm even going to do this live for you this is how much of a fan i am you haven't seen oh, my no. t you haven't seen my t-shirt yet. oh no he's got a brian pillman t-shirt so on. That i is have sick. a brian effin pillman shirt from ecw when he was in ecw okay when he was called the rogue horseman and he would right. come in, and it was a big angle. He was supposed to go back to WCW. But I thought you'd be impressed with this, That's awesome, man. Colin, because this is how big of a wrestling fan I am. When people say that, oh, I was a wrestling fan when I was young, and then I turned 14, and I grew up. I never did, and I'm excited about it. I still think all the time when people say, oh, don't you know it's fake? I'm like, <laughs> really? Oh, my God, I've only watched it for 30 years. I never <laughs> knew that. And then yeah. I ask them if they watch movies and TV shows and everything else and realize Don't that you know those are fake? even reality television shows are fake. And so, yes, I enjoy the entertainment of it. I love the storylines. And most importantly, I, and not to get too serious with you too quickly, because we're going to talk some, yeah. some fun, I know. But being in radio, people have personalities in different ways that they come across on the radio and maybe their personality is a little bit different from who they are in real life. Mm -hmm. I, I find wrestling fascinating because you have to be great in the ring, but if you're just great in the ring and you can't talk, you're not going to make it well, unless you're Goldberg. And then <laughs> you, if you're a great talker, but you can't do anything in the ring, it's going to be hard to be a true superstar for a long time. And the way that these guys go about putting it all together because it's their entire career and some of them only get one shot. If you're really good, you get a couple of shots and maybe they transform you. 
but right. you get one shot and you have to have all of this come together and it's their livelihood. Yeah. And I find it interesting how they go about it to try and differentiate their characters because if they don't make it, sometimes you only get one shot at being right. in the WWE. So I, I find it all fascinating. Right. Now, before we get into sort of, because you said back when I had first messaged you that you're mainly an Attitude Era guy. So we're going to be talking a lot of Attitude <laughs> Era stuff today. Yeah. Um, but before we get into I that, still watch, though. Yeah. So I still I, watch. I, as, as do I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? This will kill you. I'm going to tell you a story about what happened to me two, three months ago. Maybe a little bit more. The consultant for Impact Wrestling, yeah. when they were here, they had their pay-per-view here right. and their, their tapings right. at the on Lansdowne, yeah. called me up and okay. said, would you be willing to go on social media and get in a fight with somebody? You can pick who it is. And no you can, we'll build up a feud with you and them and then you can bring one wrestler down to the ring. You can manage for a night. We'll get them to manage for a night. And like, you'll be in a feud with somebody in the media here. And then the wrestlers will go at it and we'll put it on television on Impact Wrestling. That is sick. Which is the coolest thing ever, except yeah. I was on two week holiday and had already booked a trip to Florida when they had asked me. And I couldn't do it. Yeah. See, that's not as, because I'm. And I would, that was, that's my dream. I want to be on television yeah. being a wrestling manager. I want to be yeah. on it. I couldn't do it. So I'm begging them to let me do it when yeah. they come back uh, next year. That's not as high up as I am on the impact echelons, but I, um, thanks to Zach, a lot of the stuff on this show is thanks to Zach. I'm on their uh, weekly teleconferences, yeah. their media stuff. And as well, I just actually had the opportunity to interview Eddie Edwards as well as Moose just to help just to just for like a anniversary promo yep. thing eddie edwards he's have you seen uh, how much of eddie edwards have you actually seen because he's I, I love watching eddie edwards yeah he brings me back to like as you said you were an ecw guy he that match with tommy dreamer at slammiversary yeah could have easily like if you had closed your eyes well if there was a way for you to close your eyes and still watch the match if you know what i mean that could easily been on a match like on a card from 90s ECW. And, and this is what I love about the way that some groups are coming up now between New Japan and mm -hmm. Impact and some of the other groups that are coming along is that you can be a star and have great matches and people get to see them and you don't have to be in WWE. And, and right. that is something that is a little bit different than than what it used to be. I thought you were going to tell me about how great Moose was, and then I was going to walk up and leave. But, yeah. <laughs> however, well, back when I, uh, before I had started recording the calls, uh, Ross, the head of media, the head of relations, this there, is the guy I was talking about, oh, Ross yeah, yeah, Foreman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he had called me, um, and he goes, So it's actually going to be Eddie Edwards first, because it was originally going to be Moose, and then it was going to be Eddie Edwards that I was going to be talking to. But he goes, no, 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 Moose is still talking to somebody somebody else. So here's Eddie Edwards. And I'm like, oh, great, thanks. And he goes, you sound a little excited. Did you? Do you not really want to talk to Moose that much? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I never. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not that. We all have our favorites. Yeah. Moose just isn't one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. So, mentioned, we're going to be talking some Attitude Era. <laughs> now, yes. your favorite angle from the Attitude Era is what? Wow, there's. If you had to pick, like. There are so many, and I'm 
a little bit biased because not to toot my own horn, but I've been to a lot of events in that time of the Attitude Era. So I I have a few, and I'm sure we'll talk about them because it's hard to pick just one. But saying that the Montreal Screwjob was an angle is incorrect because it was as legitimate a controversy as the WWE has ever seen. It was Shawn Michaels hating Bret Hart. It was Bret Hart hating Shawn Michaels. Mm -hmm. And it was Vince McMahon pulling the wool over Bret Hart's eyes and doing that in real life. But, and I was second row in Montreal when that happened. And it was just at the beginning of the internet too, where to try and find a lot of information was a little bit more difficult. I knew what was happening. I, I saw it develop, but still it all happened so quickly. Right. That, you're like, what's going on? Is this an angle? Because everything, you're always right. in this mindset of it's an angle. They're trying to do something to make you think something else. Right. But when Bret Hart turned around and spit in Vince McMahon's face, yeah. uh, that's not an angle. Yeah. He then destroyed all the television sets and printed WCW in the air with his fingers. And yeah. you could tell that this just was not right. But you didn't even fully comprehend it. And I went to Raw in Montreal the next night, and then the very next night was another Raw taping in Cornwall. So subdued, nothing really happened. You're waiting for all of this stuff to happen as a result, and it just never did because it was Brett left, and everybody was on edge, and Shawn Michaels didn't show up, and that was it. It was like, okay, something really weird has happened. But from all of that, develop the Mr. McMahon heel character, heel character, which I'm not a big Vince McMahon on screen guy, No, but it developed one of the greatest characters and really I think made Stone Cold Steve Austin what he was. And I think right. if you, if you go back to the origins of where Mr. McMahon, the on screen character was created, it was that night in Montreal right. and it turned into Steve Austin, who was one of my favorites back when he was in WCW and then ECW. I love stunning Steve Austin. He he was one of my favorites. Even before, so was the ringmaster too, eh? And I was destroyed when he came in and didn't talk because I watched him in WCW. He's my favorite guy. He's in ECW cutting the greatest promos ever. He gets into WWF at the time, and Ted DiBiase's managing him, and he doesn't (laughs) say anything? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. And then, anyway, so I think from that angle, or from that event that happened in that Montreal... Work, that work shoot, as some yeah, of the marks will call it. <laughs> it. It ended up being for Steve Austin and Vince McMahon, yeah. and then everybody joined in. I think it it took off for the next three, four years and made them a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, you could argue the same case for The Rock, actually, as well. Yep. Like, that really made The Rock. Now, do you... I'm assuming you probably know the story behind why that actually happened. Like why Bret Hart was so pissed. Oh yeah. 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 Cause he didn't want to lose the belt yeah. like the day after cause he was leaving. <laughs> he didn't want to lose the belt in Canada. Right. And he had tried to work out a bunch of different places where he could lose the belt and he didn't want to leave in the first place. He had signed a contract. He had signed a contract with Vince McMahon 
that was a 20-year, $20 million deal. It was a $1 million a year for 20 years. And then Vince went to him and said, I, I'm going to have to break the contract. I can't pay you. You should go and talk to WCW where he was looking out for the best interest. And Brett didn't want to leave and he didn't want to leave. And then it ended up where he talked to WCW and they gave him $3 million a year for three years. And so he finally said, okay, but I'm not losing the belt to Shawnee Canada. Now, I think there is a little bit of back and forth. Brett didn't want to lose the belt to Sean, period. And he right. was willing to give it up to anybody else. And he was putting up more of an argument than some people think about giving up the belt at that time to Shawn Michaels because he didn't like him. And he didn't think that he was a good representation. And Sean was Sean at that time. And he was partying and he was on drugs and he was doing a lot of things. So he didn't want to lose it to him. And he especially didn't want to lose it to him in Canada. And yeah, it ended up being one of the, I still think the biggest night, the biggest night of controversy the WWE, WWF has ever seen. Right. Now, Sort of a, as a little bit of a segue, there's another night of controversy known as the Curtain Call back in MSG. Mm-hmm. And, of course, two of, four, two of the four of those guys known as the Click were also the catalysts in one of, well, not one of, in the biggest angle yeah. in WCW history. Those of you who don't know what we're talking about, um, go back and learn your history, please. Because if you don't know what the biggest angle in WCW history is... You should. Was it June or July? I think it was July 1996. It was. Bash at the beach. It, and I remember being. Was it? Oh, yeah. It was. For the. Uh, oh, 100%. Back when, they had, for, back when they had all showed up. Oh, back when Hulk Hogan was the. When Hulk Hogan. Right. And that's what I mean. I And pardon me. Yeah, I know that Nash and, and Hall went there before. But. Right. They were there and they were kind of hinting and they were the outsiders and what were they doing on WCW television when they worked for WWE when they really didn't, but they were pretending. But Mm -hmm. I remember being at, I worked at a camp as a camp counselor, kind of in the woods. And this is how old I am, so I'm only going to say this once. Uh, There was one phone at the camp and it was a rotary phone that the camp counselors, if they wanted to to call their families or call their girlfriends or boyfriends or anything else, right. all had to use the same phone. And they had to share it for a couple of hours every night. Okay. And one of my friends called and somebody took a message for me. So, oh, yeah, your, your buddy John called. So it was fairly important. And I knew that it was that night. And he called to tell me, that Hogan turned and they formed the NWO no and way. that's why he called me and he then sent me the VHS tape of it in the mail so I could because you were there all summer because because I was there all summer so I could watch the turn of Hogan and <laughs> the NWO being <laughs> that is cr- being created on that oh, man. on that night so yeah that was um yeah, I mean, who couldn't get caught up in it when it was going on at the time? And they had tried some different things. They brought Luger in in 95 on their first Nitro ever at the mall. They had done some different things. They had brought these guys in, Nash and Hall. And it was a big deal, but it 
you know, they powerbombed Eric Bischoff through the table at the pay-per-view before that. And you thought, okay, where is this going to go? But when Hogan turned, it was one of the biggest deals ever. I mean, the garbage coming in the ring. and, And at that moment, you knew that something had really had really taken off. It had really changed when the biggest star in the history of pro wrestling had turned heel. And he was a heel way, way before, but when he won the title in 84 from the Iron Sheik, he hadn't been heel in in 11 years, 12 years, right. from 84 to 96. And when yeah. he turned, you thought, wow, this is going to be a big deal because even you understood too, that Hogan made so much money as a face selling the t-shirts and everything else. Even in the nineties, when he came into WCW, he made so much money. If he turned and went bad and turned heel, he would be doing it to make money too. And how is he going to make money? That's what intrigued me the most. Right now I started noticing because as we were talking before, I recently have, gotten access to the online part of the WWE Network. And that's allowed me to watch old episodes of uh, Monday Nitro. Yeah. And I noticed from the first episode of Monday Nitro that they were about to do something very special with Hulk Hogan. Because if you'll, I don't know, I'm assuming you're pretty familiar with WCW's, like er, the early Nitro stuff, right? Yeah, of course. So back at, I believe it was, I can't remember if it was either Halloween Havoc or Fall Brawl of 1995, there was the sumo a monster truck match between the giant and Hulk Hogan. Which, which see, this is what I like to do with you. Right. I like to wait till you bring up stories and say, oh yeah, I was there. Were it, you there for that? It, it was in Detroit in 1995, and it was Halloween it Havoc. It was Halloween Havoc, okay. Uh, 95, yeah, it was, it was in Detroit. I was there. Right, so there was there was that. Um, it, it was terrible, by the way, in person. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I watched the pay-per-view because I'm going back and I'm watching it like in order as it was. Right. Starting with the first episode of Nitro and then going into Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. There was, again, for those of you who don't know, there was a monster truck sumo match that shouldn't have been a thing. And then after that, they transitioned into the ring where there was a, there was a huge screw job. There was people interfering everywhere. Yeah. The giant, who you may know now as the big show... Um, says that he won the belt, right? Even though that he never really did win the belt. Oh, it was just and then terrible. it was the next week after on Nitro that uh, Jimmy Hart had come out and it actually first of all Jimmy Hart had turned towards the Giant instead mm-hmm. of Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. and Jimmy Hart had brought out the contract saying that it was legally binding, that he had signed, that he had the power of attorney, yada, 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 that um, if Hulk Hogan was disqualified, he would lose the championship to the Giant. Right. Now, they, had, they brought out a lawyer. The lawyer said, <laughs> well, yes, that that is true. Due to the nefarious nature of the interference, Hulk Hogan still technically is champion. Now, of course, this prompted Jimmy Hart, the Giant, and the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan, to lose it completely. And then it was announced by then-WCW President Nick Bockwinkle that the WCW Championship would be defended in the three-ring, (laughs) 60-man battle royal. I see your face. Uh, You're not a huge uh, fan of this. Well, look, I drove from... I grew up in Toronto, and I drove from Toronto to Detroit, which was about... 
four, four and a half hours each way. So not it'd be like driving from here to, to Toronto. To watch a match that ended up on the roof and that you didn't even really know what happened and the monster trucks and back in the ring and lawyers and <laughs> and a 60-man battle royal. Three rings. I'm going to tell you, I... I've put up with a lot of entertainment that they've classified as entertainment. That was that it was as bad as it gets. Like that's where I, I was really intrigued with WCW because Nitro came on the scene and you're excited. Okay. There's some competition raw Nitro, which one am I going to watch? I got to watch both. I got to tape one. I got to figure out how I'm going to watch both each and every week. And when Nitro started, you wanted to get behind it. And then they're pulling angles like this. It was terrible. Right. And they figured it out with Hall and Nash coming over. But right. before that, oh my God, was it bad. You could tell me whether it was at the Joe or whether it was at Kobo Arena. I can't remember. I feel like it was at Kobo. The World War Three, Or like the, no, the, the Halloween, Halloween Havoc. Halloween Havoc. In, I'll in, check that it, out. I was just in, in ninety five. I was just in the process of signing in to the WWE network because I figured because we've got this great TV here, nice. let's go. Let's go back. It is a nice TV. Yeah, I let's like go, that. Let's go back and watch oh. that amazing piece of wrestling history oh. that you were talking about, or something. We can watch something because I figure. Actually, no. I've got an idea. I've got a better idea of what we could watch. Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety. What was it? Ninety five. Joe Louis. Uh, it was that. It was that Joe Louis Arena. Yeah, yeah, it was in Detroit. Yeah. And I, so. yeah, and that was in ninety five. And I was such a Hogan hater because I was a Ric Flair guy. Okay. All the time, like I hated Hogan. In, yeah. In so were you a Ric Flair, but like Ric Flair guy back all the way to like Starcade eighty oh, three? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like when I first started res watching wrestling. I was a flair guy. Okay. And I hated Hogan. I hated Hogan when at all the WrestleManias and So you hated Hogan back when he was say your prayers, eat your vitamins, oh, all that. I wanted Andre to win at WrestleMania three. I wanted like Hogan when Hogan didn't participate WrestleMania four, it was great because Savage won the title. And right. of course Hogan had to be the star anyway, even though he wasn't wrestling. And then I thought one of the worst things they did that could have been great that they never made great. They've screwed up a lot of things with Hogan because the two things I think they could have done the best with him in his entire career was the feud with Macho Man Randy Savage, which they screwed up royally. Yep. And then even worse, when Ric Flair came in in the early 90s and they never even wrestled. Like, they wrestled at house shows. They never put yeah. them on pay-per-view. Hogan and Flair. Or in the early 90s. Right. It's like being handed the keys to the car and going and, you know, why don't you take the bus? Yeah, exactly. Today. Yeah, I'm like, just trying to find, there's a specific, I think it might be this one here. Nope. Okay. When I say the words, I can't remember what day it was. But when I say the words, a finger poke of doom. <laughs> What comes to mind for you? I was going to say the changing of the title <laughs> with 
Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Right. Now, the, the finger poke of doom. Right. Now, in my opinion here, this was one of the last... It wasn't the final nail in the coffin, mm-hmm. but it sure as hell was one of the last ones. Right. One of the last on-screen decisions because... I was, um, do you listen to 83 Weeks, the Eric Bischoff podcast? I, I do. You do? Which is hard because I want to believe everything he says. But. And, and then as soon as I watch it and go, oh my God, that's so. And then you read a bunch of stuff that, oh, well, this isn't true. This isn't true. And this isn't true. I'm like, okay. So now I've just. Yeah. I, I read the book mm-hmm. that he likes to trash so badly. Now, Brian Alvarez is a good, he's, he, yep. he he's good. Eric Bischoff did make some good points there in which that apparently he never did anything. But also apparently Eric Bischoff never offered Bret Hart a contract or something along those lines yeah. or whatever. But um, maybe just while I get the headsets all set up here because we can't listen to stuff through the TV yep. and watch. While I get the headsets set up here, why don't you just talk a little bit more uh, about sort of the 1999 NWO sort of what's going on at this point in time? Well, I think in 99, by the time it got there, first of all, it was completely wrecked with the NWO. You had the NWO and the Wolfpack and guys branching off. And I'm watching Virgil and Stevie Ray and uh, Buff Bagwell and these guys represent the NWO. And it's just shambles of what it, it used to be. And... You know, I think at the time it got out of hand because everyone, they ran, and I want to say the pay-per-view was in 98, but they ran the first, well, it could have been 97 even, the sold out, which was the first NWO pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And they legitimately ran a pay-per-view where the NWO won every match. And... and you're like, what, what, what is happening? Why am I watching this? They're just, they're telling me of what's going to happen. Right. And it was so bad and it got so filtered down and then the branches off and people, because people knew that the only way that they were going to make money was to get on that. And they kept letting more and more and more people into it. And it just got so bad. And then I just remember one of the biggest mistakes they ever made, which I think is still one of, when I go back and look at crowd reactions to matches, right? and think about when, or when people come out and it's a surprise that they're there, and like the genuine reaction of people, I, I would put on my top three that I've ever seen was Goldberg winning the title against Hogan at the Georgia Dome right? in front of more than 40,000 people. Right, right. And they put that on for free and announced the match on Thursday on Thunder and had a pay-per-view on the Sunday and then put it on for free on Monday. Yeah. Like, could if you tried to screw it up, you couldn't screw it up that yeah. badly. Yeah, so I'm just going to set it up here. We'll get the headsets going. I'll just make sure I can hear everything. 
which I can, which is a good sign. And I think this will actually just be uploaded as a bonus podcast type thing. Cause Very good. Because of, because of licensing stuff, can't exactly play stuff that's on the WWE Network over the air on CKDJ. Uh, finish, where is it here? Here we go. So, you know, we've been talking how tough just in the match before right here, we've got, looks like DDP. Is that Brian Adams? I think so, actually. Oh, see, this is what I mean. This is, this is NWO at its worst. Yeah. Virgil helping Brian Adams, who used to be Crush. And the worst diamond cutter you've ever seen from Diamond Dallas Page puts yeah. a 300-pounder away. Now, is this diamond cutter here worse than that diamond cutter that Heath Slater caught back when Heath Slater was running those angles leading up to, one to the 1,000th episode of Raw yeah. where he was facing all those legends? It's a good point. Like, I give DDP a lot of credit, though, because he was a... He was I, trying very I, hard. And he was got into wrestling because he was the neighbor of Eric Bischoff. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. And that he, Eric Bischoff, worked back in the AWA as an announcer for right. Vern Gagne. Right. I used to watch when I was the growing AWA, up, too. My, my dad would tell me all the stories about right. the AWA. And, and Diamond Dallas Page was a manager. Eric Bischoff brought him in. And he was a manager. And he was really good. Who was he managing at that point? Bad Company. Oh, really? Which was Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond. Right. And they were the tag team champions for a while. Mm -hmm. And he'd bring out his diamond dolls with them. Yeah. And he would, they would be the coolest people ever. And he also managed Colonel De Beers, if you remember that I've name. Heard, was, I've, I've heard the name. It was like a, they needed a an anti-war guy to go up against okay. Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, okay. And so they brought in the heel war guy, and that was Colonel De Beers. He was from South Africa. He was all right. Oh, we see now. Oh. This is this is the most infamous angle. This is the most infamous episode of Nitro. Or is he Goldberg in the police station, which was later revealed to be right across the street, right from the arena. Can you believe that? And apparently, if he made it in time, he would have been facing Kevin Nash for the championship. Right. Because these two guys that are about 150 pounds soaking wet, right. Now for those are containing Goldberg. Yeah. At the time. Yeah. Now these were real cops, because Bill Goldberg knew these guys, because he was born in Atlanta. Yeah. He he lived in Atlanta. Now, for those of you guys, for, I'll just pause this before we watch the match here. Michael Buffer. For any big WCW show, they had to bring Michael Buffer in, and they were paying him a lot of money. Like, I think they said that they paid him, like, five grand just for this one episode of Nitro yeah. or something. Um, a little bit of backstory if you guys don't have the, uh, the uh, WWE Network. So on this episode of Nitro, there was... Um, it finally came to a point where Macho... Was it Macho Man or Hulk that was with Miss Elizabeth right now? Or was it... who? Which girl... Which manager was it? Because I can't remember to save my life That right was now. with Hogan? Yeah, Sherry, right? No. Somebody somebody was stalking somebody. No, Elizabeth was with the NWO, but she really wasn't with Hogan only for a brief time when they okay. did the Leno stuff. So yeah, so it was it was Miss Elizabeth though. Yeah. Um so she was she had accused Goldberg of stalking her, which she he really sort of was, in a way. 
Um, it got to the point where on at the beginning of this episode of Nitro here, uh, the police officers came and arrested Goldberg and brought him in. But after being accused or after being threatened with perjury, Miss Elizabeth basically said, "The jig is up. Nothing really ever happened." Right. Uh, Goldberg, of course, it was just let known that he was going to be released, and if he can make it to the arena in time, that he would be challenging Kevin Nash for the championship. If he could make it to if the he could make it in time. time. So what we're saying is if he had time hypothetically to walk maybe about 30 feet from the front door of the police station to the front door mm-hmm. of the Georgia Dome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Georgia Dome. Home of, the of course, we're getting the welcome to the Georgia Dome at two and hours and 10 Western minutes into the episode Michael of Nitro. <laughs> Home of the Atlanta Falcons. Thank you, Michael. We know they play there. The cheap pops they used to get. Yeah. The one thing I will say, he is so much better than his brother, Michael. Oh, 100%. Bruce Buffer? It's not good at all. The following? No. Like, he, yeah. like the octave jumps in his voice when he's doing the announcing is absolutely is, is ridiculous. Pretty cool this year when they brought Buffer in, though, to do the Vegas. Yeah. Golden Knights. First home game of the Stanley Cup final. It was Michael, right? Yep. Okay, good. Can you imagine Bruce Buffer announcing a hockey game? And the millions watching around the world. <laughs> oh, it brings back a lot of memories. Let's get ready, Rumble! What's a WCW show without fireworks? To this day, the NWO theme still remains in my top three favorite themes. Oh, it's iconic. Because you can... The difference is you can play that theme and... People that didn't watch a lot of wrestling know it. And that's how you know. Yeah. Well, the two show I find I find now even like back back in the nine back in the late nineties, if you were to wear an MWO T-shirt, you'd be recognized. I feel like nowadays the Bullet Club T-shirt is sort of the same thing. Really, is it bad that I have a, a Bullet Club T-shirt? I have a Kenny Omega Bullet Club. I have two. It's fine. I have okay. two different. I have the um, I have the I have the Villain Club T-shirt. Yeah, and then I have the uh, Cease and Desist Too Sweet. Yeah. Shirt with the young bucks where the where the click symbol is uh, where the click hand sign is blurred out. Yeah. And I was a little bit hesitant to buy that shirt while I was there. It was actually right after I had um, I had been with uh, Graham a couple weeks like back a month ago on back when I was in the control room for his noon show. Right. Um, I had went to the Hot Topic at Rito yeah. and I had bought the shirts and I was a little hesitant to, to buy the uh, the young bucks shirt because I thought they were flipping them off and I didn't know if my mom was gonna. Yeah, exactly. But now, I was in Florida, and I was in the mall, and I bought the Kenny Omega shirt, and I bought a couple other shirts, and I was on vacation, and I went up to, I was at Wilmington, North Carolina, and I went to the beach, and I walked onto the beach, and the first guy I saw had a Young Buck shirt on, yeah, and he, like, two-sweeted me, and I was like, okay. That's, and yeah. then I came up here and realized they were selling the Hot Topic and I didn't need to buy it in Florida. <laughs> yeah. 
No. Like, there, back when I was out at Ahond, like, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, there was this guy wearing a Bullet Club t-shirt. He was ahead of me. I had seen the black, and I had seen the, you know how some of them have the NJPW logo on the yep. back, like, right at the back? Mm -hmm. I had seen it, but I didn't want to say anything just in case. Because I was wearing my, um, I was wearing the Marty Skrull shirt. Right. And I didn't want to say anything. I wanted to wait to see him turn around. It turns out he was my age, and I have his number. We're to <laughs> there you go. There's a little bit of... We're good friends now. As Kevin Nash is coming out here with the world title, he pointed with his finger for a long time at both of them. And there's some rich irony. Of course, here is the bad guy. What's your favorite uh, Scott Hall character? Are you more of a Scott Hall guy or a Razor Ramon? I, I think I'm more of a Scott Hall guy when he first got there. I think they... When he first got to NWO. Yeah. Or when he first got to WCW. Right? Yeah. They, they lost their way. All of them did. But... I, I think the theme music for Razor Ramon is iconic. Yeah. I, other than the latter match with Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, I don't remember one thing that he ever actually did. Like, he... He won intercontinental titles and had bad matches. Mm -hmm. He came out with the theme. He tossed the toothpick around, and I don't remember anything else he did. No. And it's like I remember the theme. I love the theme. The theme is yeah. The theme is great. But his first year in WCW as the Outsiders and as a real, yeah, you know, true badass. Yeah. Now this is just because I've been watching a lot of New Japan. I've been watching the G1. Yeah. Like, I, Which is I, incredible. The G1 is so good. Just watching this now and seeing um, Hall and Nash come out, it's almost reminding me a little bit of the Gorillas of Destiny or the Bullet Club Firing Squad or whatever. Yeah, with, a little uh, bit. The Tongas, the Tamatonga and Tongaloa. Now, Scott Steiner, of course, still wrestling, surprisingly, in Impact. Yeah, unsurprisingly. Well. Because he's about the paycheck. And of course, we've had his brother, Rick, on the show for an interview back. How was that? I wasn't there. That was back before I even knew the show was a thing. This was back when Zach had right. actually just taken over. I'd imagine not very good. Sorry, Rick. It was actually. It, <laughs> I've heard stories. He's a, he he could he could tell stories, but oh my god, it's it's a it's a hilarious interview to listen to. Yeah. 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 So far, the big the biggest interview, the biggest interview that I've had was like Ken Shamrock. Yeah, well, I interviewed Ken Shamrock when he was here. For Yuck Yucks? A couple of weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, that's, that, I, that's what I was interviewing him yeah. too for. And he was great. He was really good. Yeah. Uh, I've done a lot of them. Uh, they've come in for the Yuck Yucks thing. Yeah. And, I mean, Mick Foley was great. Mick Foley, we, Mick Foley was actually the interview for the first ever episode of the show back when Will Macklin was the host. Yeah. He's, they're coming, he's coming again in September. Yeah. Mick Foley. This actually makes me sick. They finally have gotten to the ring here. And yeah. they're pretending and they're going to do this finger poke of doom. Hogan's in his street clothes to wrestle. That pisses me off. Big deal is it is street clothes to wrestle. Half the wrestlers nowadays are in their street clothes when they wrestle anyways. Could you imagine, as you said, this is also at the Georgia Dome. Yeah. Like 40,000 people. Right. And they had Hogan Goldberg in one of the biggest moments in WCW history. And that they thought that this was a good idea. Somebody... 
You know, well, this, this is what happens when you let Kevin Nash book your own stuff. Well, and that's why I disliked him a lot. Kevin I think he Nash? was a smart guy. He was the wor- he was the worst WWF champion ever. Yeah, ever. And that is saying something. If you can be known, like, because more more than like a lot of people will argue that that he's the worst champion ever. Oh my lord! One, two. <laughs> if this isn't the biggest suck it to Vince, I don't know what. Right, is. but Kevin Nash being happy that he just lost a world title in front of forty thousand people because it was a yeah. because it was a ruse. Hey, Kevin, Kevin, the title. You're yeah. not the smartest guy in the room. You never were. Never were. Never will. And that's the problem, right? Is that all these guys got so much power that they never. Yeah. It it just ran out of control. Yeah. And it actually felt bad because I think the NWO angle, when they were coming in and beating everybody up, and people remember throwing Rey Mysterio into the side of the trailer. Right, right, and right. And like that was that was badass. That was. Yeah. That was cool to watch. But at some point, and here's where the NWO lost people. And I'm a big heel guy. I love the heels, right? Right. I always love the heels. I'm a heel, I'm a heel guy too. But they let the heels win every single week and just destroy people. And when you don't have a face that can, or a, a bunch of faces that can come in and compete and beat them and have a, an actual rivalry... No one's going to watch. Right. And they lost themselves along the way with all these guys just winning all of the time. Right. Now, you guys might hear some audio that just happened. Um, ECW's reboot back in the WWE was arguably one of the worst uh, reboots in wrestling history. Yes. Arguably, because I would, ar- I would argue that the ECW reboot in WWE was worse than the reboot of the Hollywood Blondes. I would argue that it was worse than any reboot of any tag team. Really? Well, I guess a whole group as opposed to a tag team, but the reboot of the... The new Hollywood Blondes. Right. Like, not the ones like... Okay, so there not were the Hollywood Pil- Blondes that were... Not, not the Pillman. Not, not Pillman, the Pillman in Austin. The one after that. Right. Which was terrible. Exactly. This was worse than that. Okay, that's, what saying, I'm that's to say. saying a lot. Right. Now, but as we're about to see in this match that we're about to watch here, I feel like after we watch this match, I feel like you'll understand my viewpoint here. So, you mentioned you were a November to Remember guy. You, you you had seen the November to Remember from the late 90s. Yeah. I had been to two of the November to Remember pay-per-views live. Right. One in Buffalo, one in Pittsburgh. Now, did they have the December to Dismember ones back then as well? Uh, No. No? No. Okay. So, a little bit of history here. Back when Vince decided to bring back ECW, back when it was WWE, uh, back when Vince decided to bring back ECW... Mm-hmm. Um, they brought back pay-per-views, and I believe it was 2005. Was it 2005 or 2006? Yeah, around there. I think around it was there. five. Um, December to December 2006 was is widely argued to be the worst pay-per-view in WWE, WWF history. Now, the only match, because I've watched this entire pay-per-view mm-hmm. for the hell of it just to laugh maybe three or four times since I've gotten the network... Go the, back and watch the sold outs. I know that was WCW. Oh, I haven't. Some, I, some I haven't made it. To, I haven't made it to that point yet. But I'm gonna. Are like you can't get through it. 
You are, if you get through it, you're a better person than I am. Yeah. Uh, no, because I'm I, I'm trying really hard to actually watch chronologically. Right. Like I, I went on the. Have you seen the Squared Circle Reddit? Yep. Uh, they have a list of everything that's on the network in chronological order. Right. So I printed off the WCW one, and I've made it to. I'm gonna be watching World War Three probably when you leave today. Which World War Three? Sixty Man Three Ring. Oh, the Sixty Man. Yeah. So not so ninety five World War Three ninety five. Right. Trying to think which I have a like a I'm sitting on a seat here, one of those fold up chairs with the padding. World War Three in Toronto was at the Air Canada Center in ninety nine. Oh, nice. Yeah, was there for that one too. I will forever be jealous of <laughs> of how many stupid events I went to. Not necessarily stupid events, but just pay per views. That one now, was with Chris Benoit. Yeah. And the he wanted to tell But can I tell you, before we just go into this, and maybe we'll go into it a little further. Yeah. There has been no better time as a wrestling fan if you have the opportunity to watch ECW TV from 95 and 96 and just watch all of the episodes of the TV shows uh, of the TV shows and and some of the people that came in and some of the angles they used to tape the interviews and at uh, Tommy Dreamer's house in upstate New York not upstate but outside of New York City uh, they used to go into his basement and and tape all of the interviews it was the greatest wrestling collection i've ever seen because on the shows and on when they had their events, they had everything. They had the violence, which people loved, but they also had legit wrestling where they right. had at one time, for wrestling fans at one time, they had Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko and Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Mysterio and Psychosis and some of the greatest wrestlers to have ever wrestled. And they used to wrestle best two out of three, like Dean Malenko against Eddie Guerrero and things yeah. like that. And then they had the violence and then they had the great angles on top where Sabu and Taz and some of these guys where they were feud, where they would feud, but they never wrestled. Right. And, and Tommy dreamer who could never beat Raven ever, ever, ever. And they, they, you know, they had the public enemy and the Dudley boys and the oh, pit bulls the and they had the tag team division and they had the singles wrestlers and they had the violence and, and they, they had the, cruiser the top angles and the cruiserweights. It was a complete wrestling show, like something for everybody. And the TV shows and the promos are some of the greatest that still I've, I've ever seen. So right. 95, 96 ECW. And I know as we're going to get into the reboot and the you could never duplicate that. And the fact that they tried a couple of times. Yep. And this obviously is going to be one of the, the times that it yeah. didn't go so well. A little bit of a fun trivia question here for you. Who was the final WWE ECW champion? Wow. The final reboot champion. Is it CM Punk? No. Not even, not even close. Not even close. Not even close. Who was it? Ezekiel Jackson. I'm really glad I didn't know the answer to that. Yeah. Because 
I've erased all of Ezekiel Jackson's no, do you, no, matches from my memory, which is good. Yeah. He but was you, terrible. But, but you remember who he is now. Oh, yeah. Back when he had the whole thing with Yoshitatsu. Oh, he was yeah. he, uh, dreadful. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Now we see Paul Heyman being escorted to the ring. Heyman sold. That almost looks, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. Heyman sold I out. No, but I recognize that face, though. That almost looks like. That almost looks like Baron Corbin. Okay, rewind it. I think that Constable Corbin. Constable. Stephanie McMahon personally appoints the Constable of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I still watch. Yeah, a little bit. A very yeah. young. Very young Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. Almost like. I think it was actually at this. It was either at this show or. Um, are you familiar with NXT right now at all? Yeah. Lars Sullivan, right? Yeah. So it was either this one or the 2005. No, it was One Night Stand 2005. There was a Twitter thing that was put out. There was a tweet, a Twitter thing, a tweet, uh, that was put out by somebody that had said Dylan Miley in 2005 had wrote a letter yeah. to somebody. You've seen it? Yeah. Where, Where his girlfriend, girlfriend dumped him because yeah. he went to ECW One Night Stand 2005 instead of hanging out with her on her birthday. Yeah. Good move, Lars. You've made it. Yeah. At least a little bit. And... I was reading an article with Braun Strowman about how they're bringing Lars Sullivan up to him, saying he reminds us of you and that he's watched that him a little bit. That will be so good. Yeah. Are you? Uh, how much? Um, you'll probably do know this. Uh, indie stuff is. How much indie stuff are you familiar with as well? Some. Some. So, have you heard of Walter? No. The Austri the Austrian guy. No. No. Okay. So there's this big. I'll show you one of his. I'll show you. I'll show a picture of him to you after this. He, um, I'm assuming you've probably heard of PCO. Of course, yeah. PCO. There was a match that he had with Walter. They've, they're probably one of the biggest indie feuds right now, PCO mm -hmm. and Walter. They had a match at Joey Janela's Spring Break 2 back in April. On, uh, it was during WrestleMania weekend. It was the highlight of that show. And considering this is a podcast, I can actually, like, I'm not, I don't swear much. But there was a match on this card, Okay. On this Joy Janela Spring Break 2 that was called the Clusterfuck. Okay. And what it was, was it was a 30-man Royal Rumble, sort of, in which there were... One person started, no timing, and no, in, no timed intervals in between. Whoever wanted to come out could go out. The Invisible Man was a legitimate entrant in this. <laughs> That's funny. If you want to... We're talking shitty wrestling here. That's funny. Joey Janela's Spring Break 2. Still the greatest promo man in the business. When he gets out promo, there. Promo non-wrestler. Yeah. When he gets out there, people pay attention. Yeah. And they always have to him when he speaks. Right. And uh, I've been... With. Again, from the radio background, you appreciate the fact when somebody comes in and commands a room. Mm -hmm. He has commanded a room for a very long time. 30, 25, 30 years. Yeah, like he well, broke in. How long has he been? Well, he was in WCW as an announcer, like an interviewer in the late 80s. So back when it wasn't WC, back when it was still NWA. 
Seven. It just turned to WCW. That, oh, because that's when. Oh yeah, that's right. Because that's when Jim Crockett took over. Yeah, eighty nine. So that was that was some You're good. Talking thirty years. That was some really good wrestling back then. Because that's back when I think, I think that's um they they had the yacht signing, for the championship match between Luger, and Flair. Yep. I wonder if this mic works. The day of Sabu yeah. and okay. the Sandman <laughs> and Robin. That's what you can do on podcasts, right? Yeah. To an end. So, you may recognize the structure. This is going to be an extreme elimination chamber match for the ECW championship. Yeah, it never made it, and, and when they tried, <laughs> that's the issue. I mean, the, the, the whole issue is even when they bought WCW in 2001 and tried to pretend there was a WCW and a WWE. Well, you know what the plan was originally, right? Was right. to have Nitro be yeah. still there, and they'd still have whoever wanted to come over. Because I think, I would say, like, the biggest, the biggest name... That was coming over was probably that actually stayed with WWF. Shane Douglas, yeah, maybe because Jeff Jarrett was fired like a week after, and then of course the rest is history. As he went on to uh, to um, the Elimination Chamber. See, something good came up. Yeah, not that the Elimination Chamber is. Incredible, but at least it's still used today. Well, I mean, it's it's not one of my favorite matches. The elimination? No, my favorite. What? It, what would you? What would you say your favorite matches? Like of the gimmick ones? Yeah. Boy, uh, it's it's a really good question because I, the Royal Rumble I used to think was. Was it just because they would, you know, a couple of people be surprises? But now I'm used to the surprises. Like, you can't surprise me anymore. And especially now Rumble. that the internet is so accessible, you can basically see. And it's a terrible actual match. Like, as soon as the person comes in and does something for 10 seconds, you're waiting for a minute 50 to wait till the next guy is. And that's not how I want to watch a match. I guess I'd say Money in the Bank. Because there's still some surprises as to who's going to win it. Oh, except for this year, when they gave it to a guy who could win the world title at any time, anyway, which is just ridiculous. I was, I um, but yeah. Do you listen to um Fightful's stuff as well at all? No. Fightful.com. They're pretty good. I talked about them quite a bit on the show. Um, there was a thing that Sean, Sean Rossap had said about. Braun Strowman before Money in the Bank as a preview thing and it had actually happened now where they've got the monster in the bank thing he had said how shitty would it be if they came up with something stupid like monster in the bank if Braun Strowman wins right which as we saw they, they did yeah exactly what they did and it was just announced yesterday actually that Samoa Joe after a surprise sneak attack is going to be AJ Styles opponent at SummerSlam mm -hmm. for the world for the WWE championship which is great because SummerSlam is actually setting up to be 
a decent pay-per-view. Decent. Because we're finally going to see, hopefully, Brock Lesnar lose the belt to Roman Reigns. Well, who do and you think? Like, I think he'll... They surprised us before when Lesnar kept it, when everyone thought he was going to lose Yeah, but it. this is like the fifth time that these guys have fought. Right. And so, But what do you do? Do you put it on Reigns and just let him go? No. Strowman cashes in right after. But see, that's the predictable thing. Everybody thinks Strowman's going to do that. Well, I mean... Is, which is why I think something is going to happen. But it's not going to be Strowman cashing in. Right. So... I think something's going to happen where they're going to put Kevin Owens into into the the, the top part again. Kevin Owens, of course, has a thorough uh, history here, actually, in Ottawa. He wrestled for C4 when he was Kevin Steen yeah. back 2011, 2012, I want to say. And he was... I was, I was watching because I have the... Um, there's, there's there's a streaming service called Powerbomb TV that have a lot of the old indie stuff. One of those being C4. That's how I watch the C4 shows when I can't get to them. Right. Um, I was watching a C4 show when Kevin Steen was on the card. And I, was, and I watched Monday Night Raw right after when Kevin Owens came out and cut the promo that he did on Monday. And it was surreal. It was just like... You know those moments where you know that it's somebody that's up there? Right. It's just insane to see that he's come so far. Since CM then. Punk's CM coming Punk. out now. One of my absolute favorites. Oh, he! I would say, like, I have favorite wrestlers that I'm emotionally attached to. Yeah. And I have favorite wrestlers that I like just because they were, they're, they're really good in ring. Right. My favorite wrestler that I'm emotionally attached to would probably be Finley. Right. Because he was in the first match that I can remember watching. Yep. Um, CM Punk is easily, modern era, my favorite on the mic. Yeah. Probably one of my favorites ever on the mic. Um, in, my, in the ring, he's also amazing. Now, with all the rumors of him maybe going back to Ring of Honor, I don't know. Well, he's got to do something, and he's not going to be—he's not going to be fighting in UFC, fighting too in much UFC anymore. And he's still a big star. Yeah. So, and there's also the rumors too that Daniel Bryan isn't going to resign. Well, he did. He just signed. He resigned like a couple of weeks ago, for like three years. Oh, I thought that was a fake report. Maybe. I'm pretty sure that was, was not. It, was it a fake report? Not a, okay. not a real report. Because it was that. just it was just as um, Brock Lesnar had said that it was just at the contract announcement that Brock Lesnar wasn't resigning. Right. It was I, around the same I, time. I believe that he has not officially resigned. Yet. Okay. So, I'm just imagining Daniel Bryan in New Japan. Could you imagine Daniel Bryan versus Kenny Omega? Kenny Omega is my favorite guy right now in the world. Like to watch him. And there's some Canadian bias for sure. Right. But because my, he's from Winnipeg. Yeah. My 12-year-old my brother has started getting into New Japan. Like, I went, because we have Chromecasts on our TVs down on our TVs at the house. Yeah. And he was watching Okada Omega when Omega won the title right. at Dominion. And he goes... going to say, it doesn't matter which Okada no, Omega. No, no. You can watch any one of them. Yeah. Okada Omega 4 was the best wrestling match right. ever. Arguably. Like, I mean, Dave Meltzer gave it a seven star. 
Now, I mean, my feelings about the seven of the star rating system are bad, yeah. But um, he goes, the Japanese guys must feel really crappy in New Japan because four out of the five titles are held by white guys. Yeah, goes, exactly. Because there's, but you think about over here, and there's a time right where Nakamura won the men's Royal Rumble, Oscar won the women's, the Royal, women's Rumble. Royal Rumble. And but failed in her, because she lost it to Charlotte at WrestleMania. Right. Now, that was, I, w- I remember saying. Could have been my favorite moment at WrestleMania. Asuka losing to Charlotte? Yeah. yeah. I remember saying, I can't remember to who, but I remember saying to somebody that if they are going to make Asuka lose her streak, Charlotte is the person to do it. Right. Because even though she is out with an injury right now, she is the best women's wrestler in the division right now. Oh, by far. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens now that they just announced... I'm going to be talking about this on the radio show. Yeah. Um, now that they just announced Evolution, the, the women's pay-per-view. Yeah. Which I think they've set up well because they've set up, you know, the Raw Championship, the SmackDown Championship, the finals of the Mae Young. Classic. They, they've, yeah. set, they've set up... Now, there were also rumors that they're going to introduce women's tag titles as well. Yeah, th- now I, I read that they're not going to... They're going to, but it's not going to be in time for the... It's probably going to be WrestleMania for or the pay-per-view. Like that. Yeah. I <laughs> they still need some more. The, and the issue is, right, is you rush all of these people up from NXT. Oh, here we go. Here's another oh, guy. One of my absolute least favorites. Like... Ever or right now because of what he's been put no, through? No, ever. Ever? Yeah. Bobby Lashley, of course, is who we're talking about. Yeah, for a guy that... There's other guys I've really disliked, but when they put guys at the top... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm not a huge... I don't mind Roman Reigns. I, I, oh, everyone hates him. I, I don't mind him. Like, I really don't, yeah. but... You also need somebody else with Roman to, to make him at the top level. And Bobby Lashley is not that guy. And I just can't even... Like, there's no emotion. There's no genuine. I find him very disingenuous. And I have I find him cold. You mentioned the emotional attachment that you have to guys. He can't talk. I don't think he can wrestle. And I just have, uh, I was so glad Roman Reigns won last night. Yeah, my dad had, because my dad stopped watching when I was born, actually. Just because he had, because he used to watch, he would, all the stuff that we're talking about, he used to watch up until when I was born in 2001. Um, he goes, I was watching this a couple nights ago, a couple nights, maybe like a week ago or so. Oh, do you have to get going soon? No, I'm just... It's the boss. I only respond to the boss when I'm doing okay. podcasts. Shit, yeah. Cause what time do you, you you have to be there for noon, right? Yeah, I probably have another 20 minutes. Okay, cool. How fitting. Oh. The match. Uh, watch a little bit of the match. Um, my dad, when I was watching this, he goes, Bobby Lashley looks like a juiced up Wayne Brady. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Does he not like? Yeah. 
I'll give him credit. We're watching this back in 2006. It's 2018. He looks identical. He looks exactly the same right now. Yeah. Then he did. Then he did. Well, because he because he had to stay. He had to stay. Like in shape because he was wrestling in MMA. He was he, well. He was fighting in. But he doesn't look a MMA. day older now than he did 12 years ago. No. And the headband, Bobby. Could we could we get rid of the headband, please? Yeah. <laughs> He's not a basketball player. No, Bob Holly or Crush. Uh, shit. Which one is is, is that's hardcore? Bob Holly. That's that's Bob Holly. That is Bob Holly. Yeah. Okay. He looks older in this. Oh, Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam. Loved Rob Van Dam back in the ECW yeah. as well. I remember. Um, it was five years ago. I can say, or however long ago it was, I can say this. Uh, when I was watching, not so approved streams of pay-per-views right um i was in niagara falls i was watching this on whatever i was and it was 11 o'clock at night my entire family had gone to sleep and they had put the first vignette that rob van dam was coming back i woke my entire family up losing my shit <laughs> because rob van dam is coming back yeah or no, it was the Raw. It was the first Raw that they had put the vignette. Because I remember that was the same night that um, Mark Henry pulled his fake retirement. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'll skip ahead a little bit here. Just so we can... Because it doesn't really... Like, it's it's slow for the first half of it. So we'll yeah, just skip elimination like, chambers are usually like that. And like the first 12 minutes... Like the last 12 minutes, rather, are where the real meat of everything is where the real meat of everything is. <sighs> Andrew Martin, test. Uh, why is test jumping off of a pod? Right. Why is it freezing right now? All right, now we see 38 seconds till the big show. Oh, Lashley still hasn't come in yet. Oh, well, you got to skip ahead to when big show tries to come in. Yeah. Oh, that's right, because this is where one of the most famous botches. Yes. Not as famous as, well, Tugboat or... Shockmaster. Shockmaster. Or Jeff Hardy and Jinder Mahal. At the Greatest Royal Rumble. Did you see that spot? Mahal, Hardy? Where um, Hardy went for the uh, whisper in the wind. And and Mahal was still standing. Hardy missed. But then Mahal still took the bump and went down. Oh, I don't know if I saw that. Alright, Lashley's coming in. Yeah, we can skip this. Okay, so Big Show still hasn't come in here. Is that Joey Styles that's on, con that's sure on commentary is. with Taz? Okay. Yeah. The voice of ECW back in the day. 
Yeah. His tagline. Bobby Lashley, oh. one, two, three. All right, Bobby Lashley versus Big Show. <laughs> Big Show is... Doesn't look like it's the one the Big Show wants either. Why would the Big Show be scared of anybody? <laughs> like I'm trying. I know Bobby Lashley's a big guy, but you're the biggest human being on the planet. Why is it that you would be scared of him? Throwing a table. He looks like he's about to shit himself. Big Show does. Yeah. He's dying for Big Show to get out of that pod, and we're gonna see this explosion. Well, we certainly are, Taz. We're gonna see this explosion. What explosion are we about to see, though? That is the real question here. Not the one that people are hoping for. Was it this one? It must not have been. No. Because when he fell through the glass. Yeah, no, that was that was No Way Out 2008, I think. But anyway, ECW Anyways. failed miserably and in the WWE yep. because it was never going to be and trying to make it something. Yeah. WWE seemed to really like the barbed wire baseball battles. I think it was at SummerSlam of this same year, 06, that there was the famous I Quit match between Ric Flair and Mick Foley. Yep. Which Ric Flair did way too many of those things after his career was not yeah. was, was done. Hardcore matches and bleeding profusely and yep. all of those things. In your opinion, do you think evolution should have been a thing? Evolution, of course, being Ric Flair... Triple H, Randy Orton, and Batista. Oh, it was a great group. Yeah. Do you think Ric Flair should have been wrestling in that or no? Yeah. Yeah. Because they still had enough to make him be okay and protected with those guys. But I love the idea of that group. I don't think it came, like most groups, they don't stay around long enough to... Mm -hmm. You know, have longevity like the Four Horsemen right. back in the day and, and some of the other great groups. Right. But I love the idea of that group. Of evolution. Like it was the past, present, future kind of thing that WWE is pushing ever so hard yeah. now. And I think that's something that, like, if they were to reboot, a, like, a, a faction, evolution would be the best way to, like, evolution would probably be the best one to do. Yeah. Especially now that they're pushing maybe like a women's, not no pun intended, but evolution group. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree because it doesn't, it wasn't so, right, like in the history of wrestling, like some of the other groups, like the Four Horsemen, 
Big don't, Show's going for the choke slam here. Don't try and duplicate the four horsemen because it ain't gonna happen. Like no matter what you're gonna do, it's not going to happen. Yes. Don't try and duplicate the NWO. It's not going to happen. But evolution, you can you can do if you did it right, and people would say, "Oh, that was a cool group before," but yeah, you're doing a good job with it now. So I, I love the Horsemen too. They were like yeah. Flair and the Horsemen in the '80s were. In your opinion, who's the most underrated? Member of the Horsemen? Yeah. I, I was a huge Arn Anderson fan. Yeah. And so... That sequence right there was probably the... Like this, what's going on right now in ring is probably... You can hear Heyman screaming in the background there. Isn't that most of the crowd? Lashley with a spear to Big Show. One, two, three. At least it's over. Yeah. That's the good part. Yeah. At least it's over. But, yeah, I think you go back, and, and for me, I look at some of the things in wrestling that have kept me going, and it's the groups, it's the promos, it's the way that they've, people continue to, like the great characters. So... Like right now, I, I've always loved the true wrestler mm -hmm. and then I love the character. So give me more of AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe and those guys that, you know, they, they can talk, but they can really wrestle. And right. I love seeing those guys on TV. So when mm -hmm. I watch Raw... Like, I watched Raw last night, and I kind of flipped through it. Like I do. I think three hours is too long for them. Smackdown? Yeah, I, I flipped through Raw last night and then SmackDown. Like, I didn't watch oh, Raw on Monday. Oh, you didn't watch Monday. Raw on Monday? Okay. And so, I ended up... I have a hard time watching Raw from beginning to end. Because, well, I mean, it's the length of a pay-per-view. Right. That's what I mean. Three hours, and there's a lot of stuff in the middle where it's like, okay, come on, guys. Like, but, that segment a couple of weeks ago... Now that you say that with um, where they had the six guys come out and say why they should be universal champion or why oh. they should contend for that. And how many times have we started a Raw with two guys out there and then somebody else wants to join the fray and then somebody else wants, oh, don't leave me out. And like, yeah, we get it. We, we understand. But when you have a... It's why I'm excited about SummerSlam because I think... You're going to have AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, which is going to be really good. I think Kevin Owens is going to win the money in the bank from Braun Strowman. That's why. I oh, don't, that's right, because they announced that for some That's why I don't well. think Strowman's going to have a chance to cash in. I think that's going to be the big plan. Now, do you think there's going to be a stipulation, like a gimmick match for this, or no? Do you think it's just going to be a straight, clean one, two, three in the. I think Kevin Owens is going to be the champion at, at the end of the night of, of SummerSlam. I don't think you fall off the top of a cage for the company if the company's not doing something for you. Right. Now, just before, because I know you got to get, because you have to record, you have to go on air in just about an hour. Live. Live. You're live. 12, 12 o'clock until 3 with Todd live, White pal. today. Yeah. Uh, in the words of, crap, who the hell was it? 
F it, we'll do it live. We'll do a lot. Who was was that? Bill <laughs> yeah. O'Reilly? No. Bill Simmons? No. It was Bill O'Reilly? I think it was Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, Live's always better. Yeah. I just. I love doing live I, radio. It's I just lost what I was about to say. <laughs> there was a question that I was going to ask you. What were we talking about? Well, just about the Kevin different Owens. groups and like Kevin Owens and but I think SummerSlam you got Owens versus Strowman, which I think they're going to do something. There's no way right. Strowman wins clean. There's no way. No. Because what's the point? What's the point of doing all this? And again, this is where I, you have to ask yourself. Kevin Owens fell off the top of a cage, got thrown off the top of a cage. Mm-hmm. And I don't care how fake people tell you wrestling is. And I know they had an airbag underneath the announce table. Yeah. Fine. Like people don't do that and get up and be okay. When you do things like that for the company, you're not just losing clean in the on the next pay-per-view. And Kevin Owens won the match. Right. By there. Now, people are comparing Kevin Owens being thrown off the cage by Braun to Strowman McFoley, yeah. to McFoley and the Undertaker. That in my in my honest opinion, that's probably one of the most unfair comparisons you can make. Specifically just for the reason that like <laughs> The Attitude Era, kind of coming full circle here into what we were talking about beginning. Yeah. The Attitude Era was where wrestling really meant something. Right. And seeing Braun Strowman, after chasing him, chasing Kevin Owens around for like the past month, throwing the porta potty off the stage, mm-hmm. I don't think wrestling, or at least this specific aspect of wrestling, has ever meant less. I would agree with you. I I, th- I don't think they've done a very good job at building up their their spots and you're right i wish it meant more because i'm a huge kevin owens fan and i I think that that moment should have been career defining for him where i don't think it was as you said it's forgotten like the next week it's like okay what else are we doing and you can't do that to your to your performers so that's why I do think in the long run they're going to reward Kevin Owens for that. And it would they, be a mistake not to. It, it would be. So you, you make a good point. And the other thing that people forget about the McFoley one, it was in Pittsburgh. It was We just passed the 20-year anniversary of it not long ago. Of the championship. Of uh, McFoley being thrown off the cage. Was it the – Was it? oh, yeah, that was him being thrown off the cage. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I remember I was on the air. I talked about this on TSN 1200. On the day, it was the 20-year anniversary. It was a month or two ago. It was in June, I think. Um, yeah. When that happened, and it was so iconic, and he left, and then he came back, and what people forget about that match yeah. was that they did another spot that was not supposed to happen, where the cage was not supposed to break, when he choke slammed him on top of the cage and the cage broke and he fell down through the cage to the mat. And for people who don't know, a chair also fell down. And if you watch, he lands on the mat. This is after being thrown off the top of the cage. Mm -hmm. He lands on the mat through the top of the steel cage and a chair comes down and hits him right in the teeth. And his teeth goes up his tooth goes up through his nose. Yeah, and and this was uh this was one of the cases where the fourth wall was broken. Terry Funk actually came out because he had legitimate. There was a there was an interview that I was listening to after 
or a couple yeah. weeks ago or whatever it was, Terry Funk legitimately thought that McFoley had died. Right. And th- was this, I can't remember, was this before or after? Uh, Owen Hart? Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. See, good minds think alike. This was before. This Owen was Hart before. died in 99. Over the edge, 99, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, and this was in 98. Yeah. So you would think, well, that's the problem is they didn't learn their lesson because they had a guy take two falls that were just crazy. And then obviously it was a unfortunate, terrible accident with Owen Hart. But anyway, this was uh, something that one of the iconic moments, as you said, that defined the attitude era, mm-hmm. another one of those matches. So, you know, it, it, it was a fun time. The nineties was for me, the best time in wrestling from ECW to the NWO coming in to the real competition between Raw and Nitro and and then the evolution of Vince McMahon's character into Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold and some of the matches we didn't even talk about, you know, Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin with a double turn and successful. Yeah. The, the fact that you could pull that off successfully yeah. is it's a great idea. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a match. But to do it where you can turn a good guy heel and a bad guy face in the exact same match with both of them getting the reaction, incredible. And they did great. that at WrestleMania. So uh, there's been uh, – I was a huge Austin fan before he ever yeah. got here and, and – a lot of respect for him as well. So yeah, so many great things I have that happened from yeah. about ninety, I'd say ninety five ECW. I don't think the other stuff got going until a little bit later, like ninety six with the NWO and ninety seven with some of the attitude there in the WWE. But yeah, about ninety five to ninety nine, go back and watch the ECW Nitro and Raws and pay per views and. That was a time that we'll never get back. We'll never see anything like it again. For sure. All right. Lever Sage, TSN 1200 host of, is there a name for your, there is a name for your show, right? Um, no, there no? isn't because no. I do, sometimes I do in a box, sometimes I do the drive. I do do all of the Red Blacks pre and post game shows right. and do most of the Senators. I did about 65 uh, Are you still doing 67s between the benches? I'm not no. anymore, no. Uh, but still do Senators intermissions and post-game, and I did about 25 to 30 pre-games as well, and they just kind of use me wherever. Also, this year, and I think it's going to go ahead next year too, uh, TSN Weekend, that uh, myself, Graham Creech, and Steve Bunda uh, host every Saturday and Sunday morning. So uh, I'm working a lot. I just don't have anything regular. Like this right. week I'm doing In the Box today and The Drive tomorrow, so... Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming in. We should. We definitely have to do this again at some point. I think this is going to be. Promise me we will, because I feel like yeah. we just dominated the '90s, and there's so much. We else. can go further back. There's if so you much want else to time. talk about. Yeah. But uh, we had a good time. I really appreciate yeah. you having me. Well, thank you for coming on. This is, considering I've only been in radio for the for about it's coming on four months now. That's it. Yeah. Oh, you're Start, gonna be I, taking I my started before before March 14th. I never walked into a radio You're studio. You're going to be taking my job soon, so uh, don't go too quickly, okay? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good one, man.